0: Today is our last message in our series, Dangerous Prayers. All right, we've been talking about prayer for quite a while. Uh, our life groups will have three more weeks after this where they are going to look at three more dangerous prayers. Uh, but our, our Sunday morning sermons that are looking at this today is the last day for that. Uh, my hope for us as a church and for us as individuals is that we have focused on prayer over the last month and a half, uh, maybe more than what we normally have. And if nothing else, that it it's forced us to kind of reassess what does my prayer life look like? What does it look like when I communicate with God? Alright, so maybe you've never had much of a prayer life uh, and you've been challenged to begin to communicate with God. Maybe you've uh, been someone who has always prayed, but uh, you've struggled to slow down and take time to listen and hear from God during that prayer time. All right, maybe you pray and you listen and communicate with God, uh, but really at the end of the day, if you think about it, your prayers are really mundane and kind of boring and just... Thanking God for the food you have and praying that you drive to work safely. You know, maybe you've been challenged through this series just to kind of actually step up and say, you know what, I want to pray some bigger prayers. I want to pray some, some God-sized prayers, some dangerous prayers. All right, so regardless of where you've been at, hopefully we are able to kind of take a look at our prayer life and say, all right, where am I at and how can I take a step further with this? And, and today we have one more challenge for us. All right, we have one more dangerous prayer that we're going to look at. Now, the past two weeks have been difficult. Uh, The dangerous prayers have been intimidating and not always an easy pill to swallow. Uh, Emily and I were talking about the book, uh, and she just kind of said, you know what, I really hate this book. (coughs) And I was like, oh, really? She said, it's a good book. She's like, "I I don't hate the book. She said, I hate how challenging it is. I hate, I hate the things that it's, it's saying, you should be doing this, stepping out in this, praying this. She's like, it is difficult. I, I like my life uninterrupted and a little bit easier uh, the way it was prior to kind of reading through this book, all right? And I, I would agree, it's been challenging, but I'm excited for today's prayer. Uh, today's prayer is the potential to change our lives more than I think any other. All right, today we have that possibility. All right, we first looked at search me, and we wanted God to pull out all the areas of our life that maybe we're kind of hiding, the areas where we get anxious and we're fearful, the areas that we get defensive of, the things we hope nobody else finds out about us. Last week was disrupt me. So often we pray for our lives to be made better. Uh, we pray that bad things would go away, and we said, you know what, those are the areas where we actually tend to grow the most. Not when we're comfortable, but when we're Uncomfortable. And we are praying against these things that will help us grow. All right. But what we want to really pray for is that God would help us grow. All right. And and so that leaves us with today. All right. And and this is our last one this week. Our prayer is this send me. Send me. All right. So I want us just to be ready for God to kind of speak to us today, Uh, challenge us maybe in a new way. Maybe for you, this prayer is the most intimidating. I I don't know, but let's just just be ready to open our ears and hear from God. Uh, I I would love to just open up with prayer this morning before we move on. So would you join me in prayer? God, we just trust you. Lord, we trust that you have what's what's best, not just for us in mind, because this isn't about us, but God, you have what's best for your creation in mind. And God, you want to use us in the midst of that. So Lord, I just pray that you would... um, Just begin to speak to us, begin to soften our hearts right now so that we are ready to hear whatever it is you have for us this morning. We ask that in your name. Amen. All right, I I love science and math, all right? Who else loves science and math? Where are my science and math people? Oh, come on, there's, all right, there's like four of us in here. Okay, everybody else is getting like PTSD right now with just hearing those words, right? you got like multiplication tables sitting in front of you. you got three minutes to finish a hundred problems, and you're just like sweating. All right, science and math. I love science and math. Uh, I I loved science. I love learning about the human body. I love learning about the earth, the solar system. Um, Really just, I actually love learning kind of about God's creation. All right, And, and I always wonder what it's like for God. He makes this incredibly complex universe. Uh, he makes our planet, all these details. He makes animals and humans, uh, and the intricacies involved in this are insane. You know, like if the earth were tilted one inch this way, or, you know, if we were one mile closer to the sun, and all these different things are just crazy. All right, and, and science has developed throughout our time on earth, and, and we've learned more things. Our minds are blown by these big discoveries that I think are probably so incredibly basic to God. He's just like, yeah, I'm glad you finally caught up with me and figured that one out. All right, like the earth revolving around the sun. Many people thought uh, the earth was flat and then it was that the earth was, was round, but then everything revolved around the earth, right? And then all of a sudden it was this kind of big discovery that it was the sun that was the center of our solar system and we revolve around it. And the crazy thing is, I think from that moment on, if you can think, it's about third or fifth grade, somewhere in there, that you start to learn about the solar system, and you learn that the sun was the center of our solar system. And ever since then, uh, you and I have slowly been unlearning that. Right? And we remove the sun, and we place ourselves there. You with me? All right. like, how many of us just, as life goes on, we start to change and think, no, I am the center of the solar system. And everybody else's lives revolve around mine. All right? Like, that, that's just kind of, I don't know why, but that's what happens to us over time. All right? And I, and I think this is natural, all right? I'm not trying to paint this terrible picture. Uh, I'm just trying to help us be honest about the situation. All right? The way we look at the world, the way things should be, uh, the way others act, the way our government acts, all these different things, so often we think it should happen based on how it impacts us. Like, you should do this because it's better for me. The government should do this because it's better for me. The world should do this because it's better for me. God, you should do this because it's better for me. All right, And, and that's where I think it really starts to get dangerous. I think that for a lot of us, our spiritual lives become so focused on us. And it's so centered around us. All right, Like, how does God fit into my life? And the fact that we even just kind of use that phrase, like, my life. How does God fit into my life? And our prayer life often does the same thing. Our prayer life is focused on us, the people that are in our lives, the things that affect us. The way we pray creates this worldview that we almost are the center of the universe. And over time, we start to think that God's entire role is to do things for me. God's role is to make my life better, to answer my prayers, and to do things for me. And I, and I begin to look at the world in this type of a way. But the picture that we see in scripture isn't of a world focused on us, uh, but instead it's, it's of all of creation pointing back to God. All right, He is the center of it all. So it's really the opposite. God isn't at our bidding, we are at His. God speaks to his creation, he guides us, he moves us, he prompts us, leads us, encourages us. And when God does that, uh, there are three different ways that we can actually respond to him. When God speaks to you, when he speaks to me, there's, there's three different ways, at least that we see in scripture. Uh, we're going to look at three examples of how we can respond to God's voice. All right. And I want you to think about, have you ever responded in this way to God before? As we go through each one of these. all right. So the first way we can respond to his voice is this. Here I am. I'm not going. All right, that, that's a way you, we can respond. Here I am. I'm not going. God spoke to the prophet Jonah. He said, Get up, go to the great city of Nineveh, announce my judgment against it because I have seen how wicked its people are. And Jonah said, Nope. I heard you, God, but my answer is no. I'm going the other direction. Like we we spent a whole series looking at Jonah and how crazy his life was just kind of running away from it. There are moments where God speaks to us and because of, maybe because of fear, because of comfort, because of disagreeing with God, because of just plain old not wanting to do it, we say no. God, I heard you, no. God, I heard you, but I'm going to pretend like I didn't. I'm going to pretend like I'm second guessing whether that was you or not. All right, God, I don't want to do that. Or maybe we just pretend like we didn't even hear him. We ignore the promptings in our life, the urgings that he does. And we act like we don't hear that little voice in our head that is telling us to do something. The second way we can respond is this Here I am, send someone else. All right, Moses was this awesome leader of God's people. Uh, He led them out of slavery, out of Egypt, across the wilderness. Uh, God used him to perform many miracles. God met him on the mountaintop. uh, And and all this just crazy, incredible life that he had. But at the beginning of God speaking to him, God appears to Moses in a burning bush. And God says, I have seen uh, what my people are going through in Egypt. All right, And I want to rescue them. I want to bring them out of their suffering. And I want you to do it. But Moses disagrees, he says this line, he says, Who am I to appear before Pharaoh? Who am I to lead the people out of Egypt? And God keeps telling him to go, and actually if you read this, it is back and forth. God keeps saying it, Moses keeps disagreeing. It's like five times back and forth where Moses keeps saying, No, I I don't think I'm the right one, please send someone else. And at the end of this, he actually says that to God. He says, please send anyone else. Not me. Send anyone else. Moses had a laundry list of insecurities. Things that he felt uh, he wasn't good at. Things that he felt disqualified him from being used by God. Things from his past. Bad decisions he had made. He had killed a guy. uh, How other people viewed him. He's like, what are they going to say when I show up again? All right, Weaknesses that he had. and, And legitimate weaknesses. He's going to be... Uh, to talk to one of the most powerful people in the world, and he's like, I, I can't speak well. Like most scholars think he probably had a stuttering problem and had a hard time speaking. Some legitimate things where you could be like, God, I don't think I'm the right person for this. Please just send someone else, all right? How, how often do we try and talk God out of what he's trying to lead us to because we think we aren't qualified? You ever been there? Ah, I'm not the person to do that. Look, there's someone that sits like, three seats ahead of me at church, you should really talk to them about this, because I think they're great at it. No, I'm talking to you. All right, but we try and talk our way out of those things. The last way that we can respond, uh, and this is what we're going to focus on today, is this. Here I am, send me. Isaiah was a prophet to God's people. Uh, He has this encounter with God that we're going to spend most of our time looking at more closely today. Uh, But God says this, Whom should I send as a messenger to this people? Who will go for us? And Isaiah responds to God with this, Here I am, send me. It's such a simple response to an incredibly intimidating situation. God needs somebody. He speaks to Isaiah and Isaiah responds. And and notice at this moment, uh, God hasn't really given any details to what he's asking Isaiah to do. All right, And Isaiah just says, that's okay, you can use me, I'll go, here I am. God throws out this need, zero details, and Isaiah signs up for it. I would be sitting there, and I'd be asking, okay, where are you sending me to? What am I supposed to be doing when I get there? What am I supposed to be saying? Uh, How much are you paying me to do this? Is there vacation time? All right, what are the benefits? If I get sick along the way, can I stop? All these questions that, like, think about our modern mind, and when we sign up to do something, we want these details, we want these answers, uh, but Isaiah just signs up and goes with no details, and his willingness and availability to God uh, is incredibly refreshing and challenging at the same time. So how do we get to that type of place where Isaiah is, where when God speaks to us, we feel comfortable just responding, here I am, send me. All right, and that, that's what we need to look at today. Where? Where can we, how can we live our life fully surrendered to God and trust Him like Isaiah did? All right. So we're going to look at the passages leading up to this moment that Isaiah and God had and see what can we draw from Isaiah's life and from this situation so that I can try and respond to God in a similar way. So we're in the book of Isaiah, chapter 6, this morning. Uh, and I'm just gonna be starting in verse one, and we're gonna walk through kind of the first eight verses in Isaiah chapter six as we look at what is it that that we could do in our life to make ourselves more available to God. So, chapter six, verse one. It was in the year of King Uzziah died, and I saw the Lord. He was sitting on a lofty throne, and the train of his robe filled the temple. Attending him were mighty seraphim, each having six wings. With two wings they covered their faces, with two wings they covered their feet, and with two they flew. Alright, so a a few things happened in Isaiah's life that led him uh, to this place of surrender. Uh, And here's the first one, it says this, and this is what we need to try and do as well. Isaiah had had a genuine experience with the presence of God. Alright, it said in verse 1, Isaiah saw The Lord, he has this encounter where he sees the living God and he is so magnificent, it was so overwhelming, it was real, it was genuine. He has this encounter with God. If you want to be used by God, uh, if you want to step out in faith, you need to be routinely experiencing the presence of God. All right, You're going to have a hard time doing this if that is not something that happens in your life often. All right. Uh, and this isn't a one time thing that happens and lasts the rest of your life. When I was serving as a youth pastor, uh, we'd always have these big events throughout the year. We'd go to camp, we'd go to convention, we'd go on missions trips, all these different things. All right. And, and these students would go and they would get incredibly excited. They'd go to camp and they'd be like, alright, I'm ready to go home. they go to, to a missions trip. I'm ready to go home. I'm going to reach my friends. I'm going to change my school. My family's going to be different. I'm doing this. And, and it was real. Like, they wanted to do this. They wanted to be used by God. Their, their desires uh, are authentic in this. But what happens? They try and go the rest of the time living off of this one experience, this camp experience, this convention experience, this missions trip experience. Like God showed up, they encountered him, he was real, they got excited, and then they go home and they try and live off of that emotional, spiritual high. And over time, it slowly fades and fades and dissipates, and pretty soon they don't have the same excitement that they once had. All right, we need to continue to seek after God's presence I think God is our source of life. He is the source of everything that we are doing. All right, just like the same way air is. Now here's the thing as humans we can hold our breath. Right? Like I can we we would say you have to breathe to live. Okay, well I can prove you wrong for probably about 25 seconds. All right, I can hold my breath and I can stand there not breathing and I'm going to keep living. And the problem is as humans we can hold our breath. And we can kind of do that spiritually. We have this moment where God shows up and we're like, you know what, I'm going to hold my breath now. And we hold our breath, hold our breath, hold our breath. And sometimes we come bursting through the doors on Sunday like, oh man, okay, I needed God again. Good thing I had it and I'm going to hold my breath the rest of the week again. Or I had this amazing moment with God and now I'm going to hold my breath the rest of the year until next year when that conference comes around again and then I can can have my experience with God again. When the reality is this needs to be something that's happening in our life routinely, constantly, that we are experiencing God's presence. We are spending time with Him, and it will change us when we do that. In James chapter 4, it says, Come close to God, draw near to God, and He will come close to you. All right, We, We need this encounter with God, and we need it to happen often. If you're sitting here today and you can't Think of the last time that you had a genuine, real encounter with God's presence. That's something that needs to happen in your life. If you're living off of something that happened 10, 20, 30 years ago, that's probably why you struggle to feel passionate about what God might be doing in someone's life. We need to encounter God, and it needs to happen often. Second thing would be this. We need to have a genuine understanding of our sinfulness. All right, and this, this will come back up if you're taking notes, but I want to jump to the scripture here. So Isaiah 6, 3, we're going to continue on. Uh, they were calling out to each other, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord of heaven's armies. The whole earth is filled with his glory. Their voices shook the temple to its foundations, and the entire building was filled with smoke. Then I said, It's all over. I'm doomed, for I am a sinful man. I have filthy lips, and I live among people with filthy lips. Yet I have seen the King, the Lord of heaven's armies. So Isaiah has this encounter with God, he's blown away by it, uh, he sees this amazing vision of God, God is filling the whole temple, all these crazy angels are around him, praising him, the building is shaking, and there is smoke. How many of you guys think that you might be a little intimidated? Right? Alright, this is, this is kind of a crazy situation that's happen, happening here, it's, it sounds terrifying. And Isaiah responds by saying, it's done, it's over with, I'm a goner. There's no way I am surviving this. Because God is so magnificent and so holy, and I'm me. I'm a, I'm a crummy human, I'm sinful, and I live a bad life. I'm surrounded by people who live bad lives. I'm dead. This is what Isaiah is saying in this moment. When faced with the holiness and the purity, the perfection and glory of God, it acts as a mirror into Isaiah's life, showing everything that is wrong with him. So I'm going I'm to break this to you guys, and, and some of you may be upset, I am not perfect, all right? And I know some of you are like, what? I'm not perfect, all right? I'm not great at everything. And in fact, there are quite a few things that I am terrible at, all right? My wife Emily has a lot of things that she is amazing at amazing strengths, things that she is so good at. Uh, and as we are parenting and living life together, I get to see all the areas that she is good at. But as I see her strengths in action, you all know what it does? It reminds me that those are not my strengths. I see her handling things really well, and I'm like, I would not have handled it like that. Good thing that wasn't me. Right? Like, seeing her and her strengths, the things she's good at, act as a mirror into my own life, where I begin to see I'm not good at that. Now, imagine this. You are sitting there in, in this vision with God. Perfect. Holy. Magnificent God is sitting there in all of his glory and God is acting as a mirror in Isaiah's life where he's like, in the midst of this, I am nothing. I am nothing. How could I ever, there's no way I can compare to God. And what that does is it it pushes us to rely on God more. When I see Emily's strengths, the next time that situation comes around, I am more likely to say, hey, you should probably handle this situation. You are much better at it than I am. And the same thing should happen in our relationship with God. When we reach these spots, we see how amazing he is. All right, And instead of me trying to do things in my own strength, I'm reminded that my strengths are nothing compared to him. And I rely on his strength. Instead of trying to plan out my own life, I remember my plans are nothing compared to his. And instead, I rely on him and his plans. Instead of relying on my own logic and my own wisdom, I remember he is the source of my wisdom. And I begin to rely on him. It acts as a mirror in our life. Having this understanding of our own shortcomings, our own sinfulness, will push us to trust him more. And to be more surrendered to God. All right, when we we stop and think about every single thing that you and I have done wrong, like we probably don't even have to think back that long. Like, even just this past week, how many things have we done wrong? All right, and we compare that to God. It should drive us to a place of surrender. The last thing that we want to look at in, in Isaiah's life here leading up to this that will help us be in a place where we can say, God, here I am, send me is this, we need to have a genuine understanding of God's grace. This almost seems contradictory to the second one, but they work perfectly together. When you really understand God's grace and what it means for you, it brings you to a place of surrender. Verse 6, Then one of the seraphim flew to me with a burning coal he had taken from the altar with a pair of tongs. He touched my lips, and with it said, See, this coal has touched your lips. Now your guilt is removed, and your sins are forgiven. Then I heard the Lord asking, whom should I send as a messenger to this people who will go for us? I said, here I am, send me. You see, we want to so quickly look at Isaiah's statement there. Here I am, send me. But there was an incredible moment that led to this place where he was ready to say those words. Alright, so we just got done understanding all the things that we've done wrong. And now realize, uh, no matter how big and how long that list is of the things that you've done wrong, everything that you've ever screwed up in in your life, God forgives us. All of it is gone. Forgotten. When we experience that type of grace, it should lead us to gratitude in our life for what we have. Our only reasonable response to this type of forgiveness is Surrender. It's surrender. All right? But so often, I want to be in charge of my life. The flesh comes through and it says, you know what? There's someone better than me. Use them. Or it comes through and says, I just don't want to do that. Pastor Craig, who, you know, this Dangerous Prayers is from, he shares... Shares a, uh, a story in the book, and I, I want to share it because it kind of illustrates this perfectly. Uh, he talks about there, there was a pastor each week after church would stand by the door to say goodbye to everybody. Uh, that's still a, a common thing in, in some churches, more of the uh, liturgical churches. I know like the Lutheran pastors, they'll close in prayer and walk out the door as they're, as they're praying to be out there and say bye to everybody. Uh, and, and there's this guy coming through, the pastor's out at the door saying bye to everybody. And this guy comes through shaking hands uh, and he looks at the pastor and he says, uh, Pastor, I want you to know my answer is yes. Now what's the question? And the pastor's like, I don't think I heard him, right? That was really weird. And he kind of just does the, God bless you, have a good week. Sends the guy out the door. He's like, that was weird. Next week comes by, everyone's going, oh, yeah, great message today, Pastor. Oh, thank you. Great, have a good week. You know, God go with you. Pastor, I want you to know. My answer is yes. What's the question? He's like, I, what is going on here? Have a good week, buddy. Like, I, Can't you just do what everyone else is doing, shake my hand, walk out the door? The third week, this guy does it again, and he's finally like, okay, we need to figure this out. Can we get lunch? Can we get together this week? Let's talk about this. And he gets together with the guy, and he says, hey, what, what is going on? Like, you keep saying this thing, my answer is yes, what's the question, what is happening? And this guy begins to share how in his life, he, he has been completely saved by God from just a, a terrible life. His past uh, was marked with all sorts of things. And, and God has rescued and saved and delivered him from all of that. His life is completely different, his family is different, his career is different. Everything in his life is completely different Because of what God has done. All right? And what he says is this He's like, I've just told God that, you know what? Whatever you want from me, whatever the church wants from me, my answer is yes. I don't even know, I don't even need to know what the question is in advance. My answer is yes. You need me to go pick somebody up and bring them to church? Yes. You need me to go take care of something at 2 a.m. in the morning? Yes. You need me to show up and do this. You need me to give to this. You need me to, yes. My answer is yes. Because of what God has done in his life. It has pushed him to this place of surrender where he realizes it doesn't matter what you ask God. My answer is yes. All right, and this, this isn't something that's driven by guilt. We can't sit here and say, God, all right, fine, I'll go and do whatever you want me to. I feel guilty enough now. All right, this is something that that we get to do. We get to serve God with our time. We get to serve God with our money. We get to serve God with our lives. This is not guilt-driven. He has given me everything I have, and he's given me everything I would ever need to serve him. So my answer is yes. Yes. No matter what the question is, my answer is yes. All right, when we have a genuine encounter with God, when we realize our shortcomings, but we understand his grace that covered all of it, it leaves us in a place of desiring to just honor and obey him with our entire life. I I know for me, I often think of anything that I do for God as a sacrifice. Like, okay, God, I'll sacrifice my weekend. I'll sacrifice this. I'll sacrifice my money and and do this for you. All right? But I I love the the line of the song that we sang earlier. And Carrie, you can actually come up. We're going to run through this kind of again here. But there's a line in the song that we sang today. It's a new song. And it just says this. For the one who gave me life... Nothing is a sacrifice. Like when you think about it that way, for the one who gave me life, like I have life because of you, giving back a little bit is not a sacrifice. That's not what's considered a sacrifice. A sacrifice is taking something that is mine and giving it up. So if everything I have is yours to begin with, it really is not a sacrifice. Alright, the life we have is given to us by God. Everything. We, we wouldn't have it if it weren't for Him. So, nothing is a sacrifice. And it, that, that's where we need to be when we understand that in our life. So, I want us to just take a few moments this morning. We're going to spend time with God. All right. And, and I want us to just kind of, this is the, the wrap up of this entire series. And I want us just to kind of be able to focus on God and say, all right, what do you need from me? What is it that you need? You know, where, where are you at in this? Can we do this? Can we, if you're able, can we stand across this place this morning? Sometimes it, it takes changing our physical posture for the posture of our heart to follow and i want us just to kind of change what's going on right in our immediate surrounding and say okay god what do i need to do in my life so that i can pray that prayer like isaiah where i can say here i am send me all right i'm going to have carrie just kind of play through a little bit Uh, of this song as we're doing this, I I want us just to take a minute or two and I want you where you are just to make that a little space where you you can spend time with God. Maybe it's been a while since you've had a true, genuine encounter with God. And you need to go after him this morning, right now, and say, God, I can't keep living off of something from the past. I can't keep living off that moment, that conference, that message, that prayer time from a year ago, five years ago, ten years ago, even last week. I need something new right now. So let's just take, take these moments, and, and I want us just to kind of press in towards God, and then we'll, we'll come back together and we'll kind of finish this together, all right? what if instead of our prayer life being dominated by God, what can you do for me? God, I want, I want to pray for this situation in my life. What if our prayer life instead was dominated by God, what can I do for you? It's kind of that old JFK quote, you know, ask not what you can do or your country can do for you, but ask what you can do for your country. Like that, that attitude of flipping that selfish mindset and just saying, God, what do you need for me? God, what can I do? How can you use me this week? Every morning I want to wake up and just be ready. God, what what is it? I'm here. I'm ready. I'm available. Send me. Send me. So here's our our prayer and and for this week, it's it's simply this. God, here I am. Send me. God, here I am. Send me. That's our prayer for this week. If you're willing to pray this type of prayer of availability throughout this week and maybe even longer, uh, I I just want to know, by show of hands, how many of us in the room would say, you know what, I'm ready to say, God, here I am, send me. Yeah. Yeah. Now think about this. If every single one of us this week prays that and God says, okay, here you go. This is what I want you to do. Think of how this town could be changed. Like if we had a church of people going out saying, God, use me. All right, And I think oftentimes we think that God's going to say, okay, sell your house, pack everything up. You're moving to Africa. You are now a missionary. And we're like terrified of that. We're like, please, no, I don't, oh man. Well, here's the thing. That might happen. <laughs> but more likely is this. God is gonna say, hey, I want you to be reaching out to your coworker. Hey, I want you to stop as you're driving down the road right now. You just saw that person walking. I want you to stop. I want you to talk to them. Hey, I want you to begin to focus on on me again, accomplishing my will, bringing my kingdom, not your kingdom. That's most likely what it looks like in every one of our lives. I think we have this irrational fear that drives us away from saying, God, here I am, send me. But if we reach the spot where we're ready for that, it doesn't matter what the request is. It doesn't matter where God calls us, what He asks us to do. Our answer is yes. Now, what's the question? My answer is yes. Let's just close in prayer this morning. God. As a church, we want our answer to be yes. Whatever it is that you have for us, Lord, as a church and as individuals that are here today, God, as families and as individuals in that family, Lord, I pray that we would just be available. That we are ready. God, that we would just say, here I am, send me. Here I am, send me. And Lord, I pray that you would speak to us, that we would be confident that it's your voice, Lord, and we would step out in faith this week. God, we want to see this town get flipped upside down because of you. So here we are. Send us. Jesus, we ask this in your name this morning. Amen. Amen.